Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. I'm joined by my co-editors, Chris Schutte and Greg Mitchell. It is Feast Week. It is the day before Thanksgiving. That means that college basketball season is in full swing. It means that the Feast Week tournaments are in full swing. Many have wrapped up already, others still ongoing. So we have a lot to get to today. I know I will be traveling from New York to Connecticut uh, shortly. Chris, you are already in your childhood home in Fort Wayne. Uh, Greg, I'm sure you have plans too, so we're going to make this quick. Um, Let's just dive right into it then. Uh, Start by going around the horn, and Greg, maybe you could talk about what has intrigued you so far this week. You know, Georgia Southern is a team that I wrote about last year, how they had had the same rotation um, for the second consecutive year, and they got out to a really good start. Um, I think they were 7-0 in the Sun Belt, and then kind of fell apart at the end of the year. Um, And obviously UT Arlington um, with the um, win at um, BYU over the weekend and then playing well at Alabama last night is, is, you know, it seems like a team to beat in the Sun Belt, but... Um, I think Georgia Southern is a team that could surprise people, um, and they uh, beat a uh, really, you know, not great Wake Forest team on opening night, but that was good. Um, and then they went down to, to the uh, the uh, Gulf Coast Showcase, which I've been watching probably uh, closer than anybody out there because UMKC is in it um, from the WAC. But uh, you know, uh, Georgia Southern is, is it playing in the championship game today against uh, Towson. Um, I believe it's Towson, right? Isn't that right? I think we uh, Yeah, they are. Um, and they beat Missouri State, which is, you know, a good team out of the Valley, and UMKC. Um, you know, and uh, Towson seems like, you know, they've got a uh, team as well. So, you know, I think that's a, a win there kind of just highlights that, you know, I think the Eagles are a team that may be a little bit underappreciated out there. Yeah, Chris. What about uh, what about you? Any observations from the last few? Yeah, days? I've been uh, been trying to pay a little bit of attention to VCU this week at Maui, um, particularly now that uh, EC Matthews went down for Rhode Island. This is a good chance for VCU to maybe kind of assert themselves as maybe the um, Atlantic Ten favorite. Uh, they they're coming off a, a game against Virginia where they they're in it for most of it, but weren't able to pull it out, and then. They ended up losing to a Marquette team that probably just had a little bit more offensive firepower than they did. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch much of them yesterday against Cal, but it looks like they handled them pretty easily, and I'm definitely going to try to uh, watch them today when they play Michigan. Um, I think that'll be kind of a good a team, a, a winnable game against a, a team that could potentially be an NCAA tournament team. Um, and it's it's just been interesting to watch them, how they've kind of come together early on with the new coach and a lot of new players. And so far, it seems like the they're still going to be one of the, the better teams in the A-10 like they have been for much of recent memory. Yeah, if, uh, if you want a quick summary of that game against Cal yesterday, VCU won it 83-69 in a game that was not that close. 
Uh, Rams led 55-29 to 29 at halftime. Player of that game, Deontay Jenkins of VCU, played 32 minutes, scored 27 points, 11 rebounds, 11 of 15 shooting, 5 of 8 Ooh, from man, three. That's, yeah, that'll, that'll get it done. Yeah, and of course their their big man Justin Tillman nine points eight boards. I think he's kind of the guy that everybody yeah. knows. But you know, v, VCU might be uh, better than we thought. I think still, I would still call Rhode Island the favorite right. in the A10. I would still put St Bonaventure behind them. After that, though, it it could be VCU spot. I'm not sure. Yeah, they've got a they've got a couple guys that that I like that I just haven't seen enough of uh jenkins being one isaac van uh being another so i'm definitely going to try to familiarize myself a little bit with them uh while they get a chance to play some good competition and uh chris lane who is a transfer from longwood um is a guy who is kind of flown kind of flew under the radar as a, a a grad a transfer um and he's had a nice year so far as well, kind of replacing um, at least a little bit of that a production that was lost with Mo Ali Cox last year in the front court. Yeah. Um, let's see. I guess for me, I mean, listen, I watched, I've been impressed with VCU, been really impressed with UT Arlington. Just to, couple of quick kind of unrelated things that I've noticed over the last few days. Number one, the Campbell fighting camels. They've played or they've beaten nobody should say that their two wins are against non D one competition, but Chris Clemens did not play um, in their game yesterday. And instead Marcus Burke, the sophomore put on his second straight 30 plus point performance. Scored 33 in a loss to UNC Wilmington, then 31 against Johnson and Wales of North Carolina. He is 15 of 24 from three-point range and has scored 64 points over his last two games. As a freshman, he scored just eight a game, but it looks like the Camels now have two players who can really fill it up. So they're going to be a fun team to watch. Other thing I noticed was BYU. We we know they lost um, to UT Arlington. Talked about that. Um, it's not a terrible loss by any means, even though it's one that they really can't afford. I think Will did a good job covering that for us. Then they went out last night and they struggled to beat Niagara. Um, maybe uh, we should be a little bit concerned about the Cougars in the West Coast Conference this year. I'm not sure. Uh, 95 to 88 was the final in that one. They gave up 88 points to the Purple Eagles of Niagara. Uh, shout out to Matt Scott of Niagara, who had 36 points. And they're in interesting because they're a team that I know, you know, as we headed into the offseason, you know, had Eric Amika stayed around, you know, and, you know, that was a, I think that was a team that you could have, you know, reasonably thought would, you know, find its way above the third spot you know, in the, in the league, but then obviously he, he declares and leaves and then, then Emery has his, you know, issues and is not there. So it's like, it's a very, is it, you know, and, and a, and a lot of, a lot of teams are, but it's not, it's not the team, at least, you know, we all thought it could be six months ago. 
Right. I mean, at, at least so far. And, you know, if, if you're a Power 5 team or a team in a league that's going to consistently get multiple bids, you can take some time to figure things out. And BYU very well might be a much better team a month from now, two months from now. It's not a luxury you have if you're in the West Coast Conference. You have to be good right away because you have to win these non-conference games. Um, BYU, again, lost to UT Arlington and has kind of sputtered out of the gate here. Next up for them, Alabama in two days. They also play uh, UMass. Day after that, they play at Utah Valley. They play Illinois State, a team that I think is a lot better than we thought they would be. Also play Utah. So they are going to have opportunities for good wins, but they really need to make sure they win those games. Yeah, I I can't imagine that winning those games is really going to be enough to to pad a to build up a good NCAA tournament resume. I mean, Alabama is probably going to be a tournament team. Utah could very well be a tournament team, but outside of that, I mean, I just don't think that'll be enough. So it's probably going to have to be a case of they'll have to be really good in uh, West Coast Conference play and probably have to beat. Probably St. Mary's and Gonzaga at least once a piece, and maybe even uh, again in the in the uh, WCC tournament. Yeah, I mean a, a win at Utah Valley might not be sexy on a resume, uh, but it will pad your Ken Palm numbers, your RPI, whatever yeah. you want to look at. So it, it'll help in that regard. But I do, I do think you're right there. I mean. I- I guess that is the one nice thing about the W, not the one nice thing, but that is kind of something unique about the uh, West Coast Conference is that at least you do have those opportunities, you know, for, you know, a few statement wins that you would not otherwise have in, in another league. And I guess that goes back to why people get so upset that we call Gonzaga a mid-major, which I didn't want to bring up, but I guess I kind of inadvertently walked there. Well, that brings me to my next question. Is Gonzaga a mid-major? You should have led with that. That was the <laughs> really buried the lead there. Yeah. Here is here's why Gonzaga is a mid major. Tweet one of two hundred seventeen. <laughs> Tweet one. It hard to say. <laughs> Tweet two. Fark Mew. Have you have you guys had a chance to watch much of Gonzaga yet? Um, I know they haven't really played anyone yet, and I haven't haven't gotten a chance have have they been how have they been doing out of the gate how are the kind of the young guys stepping up? i have not seen them play one minute this year i am just looking at their numbers now they have six players averaging in double figure scoring which is nice again they've only played three games uh, but they've been putting up 94 per game uh perkins leading the way there killian tilly behind him Silas Nelson after that. Jonathan Williams averaging 11 and 7. Uh, Perkins shooting 46% from three. Uh, so looks good, but they also play Texas Southern, Howard, and all right, and, and Utah State, who's at least like a, a real basketball team. Yeah. Next up, though, Ohio State. They play Ohio State tomorrow. Uh, that is in the PK-80. And Ohio State actually has not been terrible from I, I've caught bits and pieces of their games I think that they're going to be a little bit better than 
people anticipated. Um, obviously not not world beaters, but there it won't be a, a pushover for Gonzaga that some might have thought going into the year. Yeah, well, the I mean, good part about PK eighty is in in a span of four days you're going to play three games, and in all likelihood, at least two of them are going to be against really good teams, or at least teams that you right. wouldn't normally expect to play in the non-conference. So Gonzaga, again, playing PK-80, That's their field has in it Ohio State, Stanford, Florida, Duke. Uh, can't remember the others off the top of my head. Uh, they also play Creighton, who's been a bit of a surprise team this year. They play Villanova in the Jimmy V. Uh, they play at San Diego State. So we'll learn more about them going forward probably than we do now. But all indications so far is that the Bulldogs – Look pretty good. Here's a, a trivia question for you. Whoa, already? Which, well, it just popped in my head, um, and it's very, it's very sad. Which, which college basketball coach signed Jonathan Williams out of high school? Haith. It is Haith. Frank Haith. Let's go. Wow. Very nicely done. You're a few seconds ahead of me on that. Good job. I thought I had you guys, but I did not, apparently. You know your Frank Haith uh, uh, particulars. Yeah, we, we are Haithian historians here. Haithers going to hate, as they say. <laughs> um, what, was, what was that article that we were talking about yesterday um, with the Cayman yes. Islands? I know you brought it up that we should maybe talk about this. Um, for those of you that um, might not know what we're talking about, there was an article that ran yesterday just kind of discussing some of the issues with the the Cayman Islands Classic. Um, it's essentially being played in a high school gym. Um, the camera work has been terrible. The announcers, not great. And then the teams have actually had locker rooms, which are essentially like a medical tent outside with just like a little canopy set up with some folding chairs inside it. And it, it posed the question, are there too many, um, you know, early season tournaments where these issues are starting to arise and it's not even like the event that's being put on is, isn't even really worth it. Yeah. So first of all, shout out to Matt Allaire who wrote the article for Ovarsity. I have it up. In front of me right now, he called it the Fire Festival of Holiday Tournaments, which I think is a very apt title. I mean, it, as you said, the gym is tiny. The broadcast is awful. The facilities are horrendous. I don't see why any coach would want to take their team to this event. Um, and this is not, I mean, this might be an, an extreme example, but this is not the only early season tournament that is struggling or that does not look good. Um, there, I mean, there's a bunch of these now. There, they have them in um, in Cancun, in Florida. A few that were supposed to be in Puerto Rico that they moved uh, because of the hurricane. They're everywhere now, and it seems like pretty much every major conference team. And most mid-majors are participating in one. And from the perspective of the coach 
who wants to prepare his team for conference play, I think it makes a lot of sense. And in that way, I don't think it's a problem that all of these tournaments exist because even if, uh, we'll say Cincinnati, who I think is the headlining team of that tournament, uh, even if Cincinnati is kind of demeaning itself by playing in a high school gym and doing all of this, um, they still get to play against much better competition probably than they would normally be able to. I mean, Iowa is in that field, even though they've lost a couple of games, Richmond, even though they've been disappointing, but like these are legit teams, uh, UAB as well, South Dakota state. So from that perspective, I get why these tournaments exist. I get why there are so many of them. Um, but yeah, they got to find a better way to do this so that you don't have, Locker rooms outside. You don't have media rooms that are a laundry room, uh, as that article showed us as well. It's it's just not a good look. It's probably more expensive than it's worth. It's definitely more expensive than it's worth. I mean, why can't you have an event like this just in Cincinnati or in a you know in a host team's city? You'll save a whole bunch of money on travel. Sure, maybe it's not you know, the exotic trip that you get to take your team on, but it's cheaper. You'll probably be treated a lot better. And the competition is going to be the same, which is exactly in theory, why coaches do this in the first place. Yeah. You raise an interesting idea about like holding an event, like something in Cincinnati. And it's something that I know we've, we've kicked around um, just in general discussion about like, Let's take India Anna for example. What if they were to um, bring all the Division One schools from the state together for four or five days, and you can you can spread it out between Indianapolis and uh, do games on college campuses like Purdue or Indiana, and just have an in-state tournament with some of the area teams where you're going to get three or four games against. Uh, schools in the area it's going to draw fan interest it's going to it's probably going to go over really well and you're probably going to get a chance to play uh, some decent teams without having to really open up the checkbook too much so i i like what you said about um cincinnati that it, it might seem a little degrading to them given that well i, I mean they're yeah not, not necessarily degrading but it's almost it they're probably asking like like why are we here is this like is it really worth it? Right. And I, I mean, I was just using Cincinnati as an example because they were yeah, here in this right. tournament. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a nice city. Um, so I, I don't want to by any stretch. I, I don't want to imply that bringing teams to Cincinnati is really unappealing, even though I've been there once and I don't like it, but that's discussion for another time. Cincinnati is a great city, but you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you need to get rid of the Maui Invitational and the Battle for Atlantis. I mean, those are top flight events right. that are put on really well. And I'm not even saying get rid of like the 2K Classic or the NIT, which draw horribly in New York. Um, but they're good events and, you know, you don't have a locker room outside. But, you know, do you need the Cancun Challenge? Do you need the Cayman Islands Classic? Do you need the Gulf Coast Showcase? Did you know all of those events existed even? I mean... Come on, it's you're bringing a bunch of mid majors to the Bahamas 
this year. Very cool trip. I get it. But these schools that go schedule a million guarantees because they can't keep their athletic departments afloat, I'm going to tell me that they wouldn't just as easily spend a fraction of that to go play somewhere else. Play somewhere that's cheaper. Right. Yeah, I mean, a few of these images from the Golf Coast showcase have been just really sad, just empty arena at 11 a.m. in the morning. Like, I can't imagine that's psychologically the players enjoy that. No. I mean, they may enjoy going to a nice, you know, nice weather, but in a, but still, it's just sort of sad. Yeah, I mean, the the nice weather aspect is probably the biggest draw to it, and I get it. Like, that's... That's great. I would I would love to go to the Cayman Islands or the Bahamas or wherever. But if you're the coach, is that really is that what your priority is? You want to take the team somewhere where it's nice outside, or you want to have your team play three games in four days against you know teams that are going to be as good or better than who you're going to face in conference play? You want to prepare them. That's what the goal of these tournaments is. That's why they're not going anywhere, which is great because I love them. Um, but so some of these just are not necessary. One, uh, one, yeah, other, sorry, real quick. I, I get, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, just from a fan perspective, and this is obviously something, you know, if you watch a lot of a mid-major basketball, it's just a reality, but you know, like, you know, uh, South Dakota state, um, who they play. Was it, was it, was it no, Wyoming? They, why they beat Iowa. They beat Iowa. Yeah, and I, I may be confusing this, but I know there have been a few games here that I've – there's some, you know, very interesting matchups that I'd love to watch, and that's kind of the benefit as a fan for these events. And accessibility for a lot of them is just non-existent. So, but again, that's just a reality of – at this level. Yeah. So re- really it probably just comes down to – it's probably more so on the event organizers than it is the actual college basketball programs. Then, I mean, if you can't put on a, a good event, that doesn't, that's not the fault of the schools. That's, that's whatever host site or whatever is hosting the tournament. That's, that's on them. Yeah, of course. Um, this whole Cayman Islands event, disaster reminded me uh, this is kind of unrelated but if, if you haven't seen this give it a look um it reminded me of this game that cincinnati played at bowling green a couple years ago i don't know the particulars behind how they ended up playing a game at bowling green but it was shown on espn3 and through a deal that the mac has with espn the broadcasters for that game ended up being students and it was the most dumpster fire broadcast you will ever see. Um, and the people that there are videos from this game, just Google Cincinnati Bowling Green broadcast. I'm sure it'll come up. It is so cringeworthy. Um, and th- this whole thing just reminded me of it. You have to go look it up, watch those videos. It's frightening. And I mean, I f- feel bad for the students who were, put on ES an ESPN network essentially uh, to completely humiliate themselves, but it was really bad. 
Oof. That's... Yeah, look, look yeah, it up. I, trust I, me. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? I don't even remember. Uh, I I said the I said the Ivy League oh, yeah. just because it's been kind of disappointing. We don't really have to go too much in depth. Um, the pipe dream of a two bid no, Ivy is never going to happen. <laughs> it has been crushed within days of the season. Season tipping off. Uh, we got there the Ken Palm. I guess page. that's the silver lining so that we don't have to worry about that yeah. talk anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't have to write the the piece in the middle of January. Can the Ivy League actually get to nope. Um But Yale, Princeton, and Harvard are a combined uh, four and eight so far to open the year. Is that bad? Um, so uh, sources say it's not good. A uh, fun fact about the record four and eight: Notre Dame football uh, had that record last that year. That is true. Just, People uh, forget that. People do forget that. Um, but it's early. There, I mean. They've lost to some good teams. I know Princeton's lost to uh, Butler, BYU. I know Yale lost to Creighton. Um, Harvard. Back-to-back losses to Holy Cross that's, and Manhattan. That's a that's, problem. And by the same four, not, how about that? Yeah, I noticed that. Oh, you're right. Isn't that, that weird? Not great for the Crimson. Anyway, that's that's about all I had on the Ivy. I mean, it's early, but... Yeah, obviously it's a little disappointing given how much we're kind of. I think college basketball fans in general are kind of hyping up the Ivy as being one of the better better leagues. Yeah, so I mean, you look at like you look at Yale. I mean, they lost. Was it uh, Makai Mason who got hurt? Yeah, they lost Makai Mason. They lost two games to good teams in Creighton and Wisconsin. So, assuming they get healthy again like they could be okay uh harvard worries me the most because i had really high expectations for them this year um they opened up and struggled to beat mit a division three school um beat umass by three in overtime and then dropped back to back to holy cross in manhattan and that's uh that is a really, really bad start. Like, there's no, uh, there's no sugarcoating that. The fight in Carmody's. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Ben uh, was very happy about that. Right. But does that open the door maybe for another team in the Ivy League to try to work its way into the title conversation? Penn, perhaps. Remember the uh, yeah, the Ivy League tournament is at the Palestra. So if Penn could sneak into that top four, they have a shot, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they've got they've got a couple wins so far over Navy and Northern Illinois um, in a non D one. But like you said, if they can lock up that lock up a spot in the tournament and get those games at home, then hey, ball's in their court. Literally. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. I'll, I'll forgive it. That's why the people listen. Why do the people listen? Yeah, come for the come for the 
very broad analysis of mid-major basketball stick for the for the terrible puns. <laughs> I wanted to mention the Missouri Valley just because I think it's off to a pretty solid start. Uh, Bradley at four and one and just almost knocked off Vermont. I mean that's been nice. Evansville's five and zero. Um, Ryan Taylor for them is averaging twenty three points a game, and they haven't really played anybody. But they did beat Fresno yesterday, um, so that's a nice win. And it's just kind of interesting because the only real statement win the league has, well, I guess Illinois State beat South Carolina, and that was good. But other than that, I mean, it's Indiana State over Indiana. Sorry, Chris. Um, oh, we got to do this. Again. But well, well, it's I mean, it's interesting because then Indiana Indiana State's the only team in the league with a losing record at one and three. So. I mean, it's off to. I think overall, it's a you know pretty solid start for the MVC. Are, are you saying that Indiana State beat Indiana? I didn't say that. Is that you can infer that? But is that, that a thing not, that happened? I, I wasn't aware. I I don't see what what I don't. I can neither confirm nor deny. I don't, that, the that one that and three Sycamores have that one win over Indiana. See, I don't know why we're talking about teams that are upsetting these power five programs if they're not even a blue blood like what are we what are we wasting our time with here it's true although indiana was too good to keep tom creams yeah that's i could do an entire (laughs) podcast about that um sticking with the the valley um i think you retweeted it from the side account yesterday they've actually jumped the atlantic 10 and uh in ken palm they're closing in on the on the Mountain West too. Yeah, they are. Um, is I mean that might be a mix of the Atlantic Ten getting off to a slow start and the Valley being a little better than we expected. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it helps that Valpo and Loyola and Evansville are all undefeated. It helps that Illinois State uh, their two losses are to two good teams. Although maybe Florida Gulf Coast not quite as good as we thought now that they've dropped back-to-back games. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you would look at anything in the Valley that's maybe not as good as we were hoping, at least so far, I guess maybe you say Missouri State yeah. at 3-2. and two. Right. You know, the, Georgia Southern's a top 100 team. That loss by a point is forgivable. By three points to North Dakota State, not a good look. North Dakota State, Ken Palm, 174. Both of them together is kind of concerning. But, I mean, again, it's still early. They still have Elise Johnson. He's one of the best players at the mid-major level. He's scored in double figures every game. He's about as reliable as they come. So, you know, not uh, it's not exactly time to panic for them yet by any means. They've got I think three pretty winnable games, four even, coming up. Uh, They have more than enough time to get back on track before conference play. Yeah, they'll they'll be all right. I I think the biggest thing is just getting Elise Johnson some help in those those losses. Against North Dakota State, he had 20 and 10. Um, Against Georgia Southern, 17 points. 14 rebounds, four assists. I mean, 
He's pulling his weight. So I had a friend who went to Missouri State who is not aware that I am involved with this with this website who sent me a text today saying, Elise Johnson, this is a guy you should watch. And I was like, oh. You oh. don't even know. <laughs> so you haven't told all your friends about midmajormadness.com? I, I, uh, I have. They just don't listen. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, they, oh. I, I think our at least our podcast audience is – Rob, <laughs> we'll say hi to him. <laughs> hi, Rob. Uh, give the uh, Big East Coast Bias podcast a listen if you are not Rob and you're listening to this. Okay, Dad. <laughs> um, let's see, we have uh, this is going to be a bit of an abbreviated podcast, by the way, for two reasons. Number one. My ride to Connecticut leaves soon, so I will need to go at some point relatively soon. And two, uh, we put no preparation into this one whatsoever because we just decided to record it this morning. Um, so those two things together would be why the runtime on this is probably going to be a little bit shorter. One thing I did want to bring up, though, with Thanksgiving being tomorrow or more likely if you're listening to this today, because I probably won't be able to post it until tomorrow. Um, Thanksgiving has become a big day in college basketball. Uh, Battle for Atlantis, PK-80. I'm sure there are a whole bunch of other events uh, being played tomorrow as well. With all of that, how do you balance your family obligations, your food obligations, with watching basketball, which is very clearly the priority, because I don't know if you know this, but there is never any football on on Thanksgiving. That's not a thing that's ever existed. It's just a college basketball holiday. Well, at least for me, my wife has a humongous family, so it's sort of easy to kind of find yourself a room and you know hide away for a little bit. So it's hard. It's a uh, Hard to be missed, I guess. I'm not sure if that um, uh, says a lot about you, to be honest, and your standing in your wife's family. <laughs> it may. But hey, if it allows me to go in a nice room and watch uh, and watch Missouri lose to um, whomever it is they're playing tomorrow, then that's uh, that's all that matters. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Like The Advocare Invitational is one of my Thanksgiving staples. It's like it's Turkey and the Advocare Invitational are the two things I can count on every year. You're gonna be watching basketball tomorrow, Chris. I'm gonna to try to. I've got a couple family members that have teams playing in PK80, um, so I'm hoping that that makes its way onto the television at some point. Um, if not, I might have to stray away to another room and see if I can take control of the remote and put some basketball on. I know too many people going to the PK-80 for me to not be insanely jealous at this point. I, yeah, I, I would love to go to that event. <laughs> yeah. I simple. kind of wish I just abandoned my family this week and went out there. My, like, I love my family, but they'll be around next Thanksgiving too. Yeah. It's a once in a lifetime. Like, like once in a lifetime when event. Phil Knight turns 90, maybe, but that's 10 years away. You can't take that chance. 
PK ninety yeah. is gonna be a it's gonna be a sixty four team bracket. <laughs> is that what they're gonna do? They're gonna bring in sixty four teams. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna run like Sunday to Sunday, and it's just gonna be one game after it. the other. It's gonna just like an entire week where it's just game after game after game, just like twenty four hours nonstop. I, yeah, Nike, what's I can't wait for DePaul's three a.m. tip against like <laughs> uh, Mississippi Valley State or whoever like the SWAC sponsored or the Nike school and the SWAC is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you know, something real quick, cause I had meant to write this for the site and I did not get around to it. And that's like the story of all of our lives, basically. I know. And I still, this, <laughs> I still have whack Wednesday in the work or, or else I can't, I, I can't miss that or else I would have, I'd try to write this today, but uh, Portland state, um, who, you know, who uh, got the obligatory invitation of PK 80, um, 4-0, and they're playing Duke tomorrow. Um, three of those wins against against uh, Division One schools, the most recently against Utah State. Um, and they have a new coach, uh, Barrett Peary. Um, but they're up at, you know, to 215 in Ken Palm, which that, the you know, the last few years, as we look at this, they've been, you know, a lot closer to 300. So that's a, uh, a nice start for them, you know, as they have their moment in the sun tomorrow. Nice, yeah. It's the uh, the benefit of being a team based in Portland. It's the Nike bag. Yep. Hey, I have uh, I have some Feast Week trivia for you guys. Let's hear it. So, looking at the Maui Invitational, two schools that we define as mid majors have won the Maui Invitational. One of them is obvious. The other one is not. Can you name them both? Uh, was Gonzaga won? Gonzaga in 2009 defeated Cincinnati. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to throw out... Let's go with Valpo. Valpo, a good guess, but not correct. This happened in 2003. Ooh, see, I was going to say VCU, but that... Seems yeah, it was pre, pre-relevance for VCU. Yeah. 2003. What conference? I feel like that might give it away. It's a team that ends up in Maui as like that token mid-major pretty much every time they're eligible. Like I can think of offhand three or four times they've been in this tournament. I'm drawing a blank. All right, it's Atlantic 10. the Mountain West? No. Atlantic 10. You said it. Oh, is it Dayton? It is Dayton in 2003. Something interesting interesting looking at just past champions. Only two mid-majors have won it, Dayton and Gonzaga. But a whole bunch have played in the title game. Um, New Mexico in 1986. BYU in 1992. A Ball State in 2001 lost to Duke by 12. Hawaii lost to Dayton. Uh, UConn beat Gonzaga in 2005. Um, then still mid-major Butler lost to Illinois in 2012. San Diego State lost to Arizona in 2014. So mid-majors have had some success in the most 
prestigious uh, Feast Week tournament that there is. I was about to ask if that uh, Butler team made it, because I think my my biggest, or the memory that comes most to my mind of Maui um, was Rodney Clark hitting that absurd, like, running, fall-away buzzer beater from, like, 35 feet uh, for Butler. I think that was... I think that was the year that it happened. I don't. I could be. Wrong. I don't even remember that. I know, like the one memory everyone has of Maui is the triple overtime game uh, between Michigan State and Gonzaga, in that would have been two thousand five, where Adam Morrison scored forty three points. Yes. Yes. And then UConn beat Gonzaga at the buzzer the next day. Just saying, in the championship game, Denim Brown banked in a shot to win the game. UConn won Maui. In an Elite Eight season that ended when the 2006 NCAA tournament was canceled after the Sweet 16. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say I know now why Russ asked the question, but then he, he, you know, he removed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, anything else before we uh, get out of here? And like, I put pants on so I could leave my apartment. Nope. Go put your pants on. Greg, you got anything? No, I'm 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 good. I think you didn't give me my 35 minutes to talk about the wax. So I'm gonna. Have oh, to I'm go sorry. Talk about the wax. Talk about the wax. Sorry. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I've I'm totally gonna, forgot. It'll be exclusive content. Do you want to just start doing a whack cast, like in addition to this? If there are three people that read Whack Wednesday, I can guarantee you none of them will listen to the whack cast. Do you need listeners, or like, would you be okay just no, no, sitting in a room a with a microphone point. for 35 minutes? That is, that is a good point. It's got to be self-fulfilling. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We will try to keep some content on the site coming your way over the next few days. Um, but more importantly, we will all be eating a lot of food, watching a lot of basketball, and we hope you do the same for Greg and Chris. I'm Russ. Thank you so much for listening to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. Um, I'd say we, we will see you next week. We hopefully will see you next week, but we've done this three weeks in a row. I don't want to push our luck here. Have a, have a good Thanksgiving, everybody.